This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. This month, they asked Molly Lewis to help me say hi to John. John Roderick. Hello. Hi, John. <clears throat> hi, Merlin. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm full of sushi. Full of sushi. You, uh, you went out for a big lunch? I had a big lunch. <laughs> it's a little bit, you know, it's a little rainy, misty in Seattle, and I've I've been trying to walk a little bit more. I used to be I used to be uh, somebody who walked all over. You were famous for walking. I was I was Mister Walk Everywhere guy. They used to call me. It's hard to fit it on a shirt, right? And uh, and now I don't. And I feel I feel like it's having a profound effect on my life to go this many years without walking everywhere. So I'm trying to walk everywhere again, and it's interesting how many encounters I have with other human beings walking around. You're telling me that when you leave an area where you're seated and not walking, you mm-hmm. will not only see, uh, you will experience, and you will often interact with other people. That's absolutely right. That's I am so seeing weird. and interacting with other people, and they're they're saying things to me, and I'm saying things back to them. And uh, you know, people are uh, because I live in the city. People are shaking their cups full of pennies at me, and <laughs> I'm having encounters with them. And I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm tipping my hat to people. I'm bumping into people in the street. I'm uh, seeing old friends. It's uh, it's it's uh, really great. I, I bumped into a guy uh, the other night. He was coming out of, coming out of Target, and I I caught a glimpse in his bag, and I started commenting on the things that he bought huh. in the middle of the night. And that's uh, that's not a thing you're going to get when you're sitting at home just commenting on people's Facebook page. <laughs> that's a sign you're definitely not lonely, right? Unless the guy, <laughs> unless the guy, hey, you got takes some stuff a picture. There. Looks like you got he, some stuff. <laughs> if he takes a picture of what's in his Target bag and puts it on his Facebook page, then yeah, sure, you comment on it. Hey, but talking like, about I was, his daily his daily carry. I was doing that right in the room, I, right in the world. I was like, I wasn't in a room. That's the crazy thing. Wait a minute, I was it's out, like out on the street. It was like real life uh, comments were enabled. That's right. I was like, uh, "Hey, looks like you got a you got a like a fiber one bar there. You got some some toothpaste. Mm-hmm. You're shopping for these things at, at one o'clock in the morning." He was like, "Well, I was downtown. Target was open. It was great. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. Just like the old days." Oh God, do you remember the old days? But you know, you know what? There wasn't a Target downtown in the old days. No, sir. No, no. So something you got to take the good with the bad. You can't throw the uh, the baby out with the bathwater. No, sir. I love Target. Do you? I do. I do. I like Target. I mean, the mall is hard on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not good with the mall, but I, I, I enjoy Target. And there's a Target in this uh, big downtown Supercenter where my daughter and I go to the movies a lot. So going to oh, Target, it's a big Supercenter called the Metreon, and that's kind of part of our journey is uh, we always stop by Target. That's they got nice. food there. You got, they got food. They have uh, Christmas supplies. They got chocolate bars, oh. uh, superhero you t-shirts. Get a, you get a spatula there. Get a spatula. You can, uh, yeah, yeah. And we, we buy our candy from the movies there. Don't tell anybody. Here's the, oh, that's a little bit of a life hack. That's a huge life hack. Here's my problem with Target, though. All the little boy clothes, pretty cute and cool. Motorcycles, mm-hmm. skulls and crossbones, Minecraft. Then you go over to the little girl clothes. And it's they're just that's just waitress outfits uh, from from the pantyhose junction. Very, hmm? very <laughs> undiverse. There are yeah. not many options. There's a lot of like you know what it is. I think it's a place to go and shop for a niece you don't really like. I see. Yeah. So now, like okay. I, I buy my daughter a lot of boys' clothes there. They got cool yep. superhero shirts and stuff. But but like all she like she, there's not that much that she finds attractive there. They have more like dress up princess clothes than actual little girl clothes. Yeah, right. Dress up princess clothes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. 
I think that we've got we've reached we've reached peak princess in this culture. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I am ready to start all of the all of the princess that could be easily gotten out of the ground. We've reached that point more than fifty percent. Yep. It's like Kunstler says. From from now on, it's only going to be like in shale. We're going to need princess fracking. That's right. And I feel like you you take any more princess out of the ground, and we're going to start having cavens. <laughs> You're going to start getting sinkholes. Princess sinkholes. You know, and that, that's damaging to the whole economy because people lose faith. They lose faith in the solid, solid, solidity of the ground. Yeah. You know, if you don't have that, there's no point. Are you saying you think you think it's as popular as it's going to get? Do you think we have truly, like, we're not going to see it get bigger? This is what I don't know. I don't know because I cannot. Like, I, <clears throat> I've talked about this on the program before. I have a little girl. She likes pink princess crap. And I understand that Disney has figured it out they have figured out just the right uh the right amount to inflate the eyeball so that it looks somewhere between a baby doll and a gray mm-hmm. right like the eyeball is too big if real human beings had eyeballs that big they would be horrifying but on these little princesses it'd be very they vulnerable this- half of their face would be eyeballs yeah, right. That's exactly right. You and would not want to go into battle that way. They don't have they don't have the kind of brow structure that would protect them from like a playground ball or something. They'll right, just explode or just, like like a like a caviar. Just a raindrop. That's right. The surface tension alone on those eyeballs is unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I, I appreciate like why it's happening. Like, there's no part of me that feels like that it's part of a grander conspiracy. I think it's one of those small level conspiracies where people are making money off of it and they're they're tapping this this pent up desire which is just which is just crazy this desire for pink poofy frilly stuff which is uh which just seemed to be in my daughter from the day she was born. And yet I don't think there's room for any more princesses in the world. Like first of all, Merlin, I do not think that a princess would make a very good driver. Um, she's not. Dressed, like to, she's not dressed for it. Uh, could you tell me why you, you think that? Well, would you like to be behind a princess on a on a highway? Uh, I mean, she's a she's a princess. First of is all, she, she is she wearing those shoes? Well, probably. Yeah. yeah. And she's not. She's definitely not thinking about other drivers. She's no. thinking about her princess shit. Her high level, like she's got balls to have and <laughs> slippers to lose and pumpkins to get in and stuff. I mean, I don't know what all the new princesses are doing. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. It's a. There's a tradition. You also got a tiara, and I think anytime you wear any kind of a tall hat in a car, it's going to be distracting. So you don't. So princesses aren't going to be very good drivers. Mm-hmm. They're. Pro- I wouldn't want to be behind a princess in line at a store or in a restaurant. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to have a princess be my server, or or get on an airplane and there's a princess there. I wouldn't want to be on an airplane with a princess full stop. So what I'm saying is, as we get more and more princesses, there are fewer and fewer public spaces that I would want to share with a princess. And hmm. so, where are all these princesses going to go? Las well, Vegas. Well, yeah, I, I you could. I mean, you know, I haven't met that many princesses. One thing that's interesting is uh, that that seems unsustainable, but is interesting and weird, is that for so long, like when uh, when we were kids, and even before that, the whole narrative of princesses was about being rescued by mm. by a dude, and that's right. still like maybe a subtext, but I, that's not nearly as prominent a story as it used to be. It is a lot more about just wearing pink and purple. Well, and also like magic, right? Magic happens to princesses. I think magic happens to princesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's magic. 
you're not being rescued anymore, but even if you're an empowered princess, it's not like princesses are laboring at the wheel. Well, unless it's Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, right. Was she a, was she a She was princess? literally laboring at a wheel, if memory serves. Well, she was, she was, right? But, I mean, was she a princess? I don't remember the No, the you're right. She, was she a woodcutter's story. daughter or uh, yeah. a cobbler's wife or something? And yeah, not, a, not a wife. She wasn't a wife. She was no, a daughter. Does he, does he jump around and then turn inside out? Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah. Sorry, doesn't, he, doesn't he do a little hoppy dance and then turn inside out for no particular reason? He does have a dance. No, he splits himself in two. That's it, right? Is it he, he, he splits himself Ew. in two. Gross. I'm pretty sure I'm going to need to look this up. Rump, why? So then there are two Rumpelstiltskins, or there are it's, two It's a terrible, terrible fairy tale. It's not even like a good cautionary tale. It's got all of the worst habits of, of fairy tales in one. Like, it's really long. It takes a long time to tell a really fucking obvious story. And then at the end, there's an unexpected twist that makes no sense and has nothing to do with the rest of the story. And he splits himself in half. Dances he splits, around, yeah. splits himself in half. I think that's right. I'm going to have to look that up. I but, feel like that's that's a little bit like uh, it's a little little bit of cut the baby in two. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Joe Bernice songs. Cut the baby, yeah. Oh, that guy's great. You like that guy, huh? Did you tour with him at one point? I did. I did. A, I did a lot of uh, touring with uh, the Bernice brothers. Joe they, Bernice. They did. A, they would do a hell of a pop song. My God. Boy, let me tell you, the Bernice brothers. <laughs> Whoo! Oh. They, they had a couple records there in, I guess, the early two thousands that were pretty great. Bulletproof pop songs in the uh in the boy guitar singer vein yeah and i'm i can't i can hardly remember any of them it was a cut the baby in two that was pretty late before that they had that all the working girls Hmm? working girls i'm not singing as good as him the working girls a little bit of a british accent yep 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 Mm -hmm. yep yep i I saw them live and they were good they were a little bit uh proto uh what was it uh jackie sexual what do you call it lumber lumber jackie Oh, a little, pro- a little lumber sexual, yeah. Yep, uh, I think, I think that's one of the reasons that I always account for. Uh, you know, Joe Pernice should have been a lot more famous, mm-hmm. uh, except that he looked like Bob Villa. And so yeah, at some like- point he did an Elvis Costello on us. At first, I remember seeing pictures of him, and he was a handsome, slender man. And then all of a sudden, he did an Elvis Costello, and he had a peculiar beard, and he gained some weight. Yeah, and just sort of looked like he was here to he was here to to put a new porch on the on the back of the house. <laughs> And then he gets up and he's singing these beautiful pop songs. But his philosophy, he had a whole philosophy mm. of rock music, which was that rock music, it, that it was a working class, uh, he was a working class hero. And he was making pop music for the people, and he wasn't in it to get big and famous. He was just doing it in the old style. You know, like he would do these tours where it was just like Schenectady, Poughkeepsie. Uh, oh, Bugs, Bunny, Bugs Bunny words. Albuquerque. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Albuquerque. Six towns in Pennsylvania that uh, like maybe you heard of because the name was on the bottom of an oil can. <laughs> but like like not a town you've ever not a town you would ever think to go like like Allentown was the big town next to the this little constellation of towns where they, they did you know, they made the they made the little oil cans that you'd go quicker, 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 quicker to put I oil totally on your, understand. On your quick, bike. Quick, quicker yeah. state. Yeah, that's right. So little towns like that. And I would say to, you know, I'd be like, why are we playing? Like, what about, what about like Philadelphia? It was like, well, sure, we could play Philadelphia, but wouldn't you rather play, wouldn't you rather play six shows in little towns where the church is boarded up? <laughs> like, you know, when they start boarding up the church in a town, that's kind of the, that's the, that's the end of the season. 
<laughs> You've reached peak town, you know? Yeah. Ah, but this peak princess business, Merlin, I'm serious if about I, If this. I could, John. <clears throat> Excuse me. Rumpelstiltskin, in his rage, drove his right foot so far into the ground that it sank in up to his waist. That's angry. Then, Ow. in a passion, he seized the left foot with both hands and <laughs> tore himself in two. <laughs> that sounds like you. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> that sounds like you. I've tried that exact move, and it can't be done. Can you imagine putting in your foot up to the waist? <laughs> and then, like, you know what? Uh, that makes me so mad. No! <laughs> I grab my other foot and just tear myself right in two. What a horrible, what a horrible way to end a story. Yeah. They just they ran out of ideas. Is that a Grimm Brothers? It's got to be, right? Yeah, it's a Grimm Brothers. Huh. Yeah, Joe Pernice was good. I'm sorry. I'm I, I, I'm really sorry, John. I'm so full of MSG. I had about a pound of uh, chow mein and fried fish for lunch. Uh, no. Now, my under, my understanding uh, was that you were an MSG denier. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I you know I go back and forth. I, I go on the skeptics boards sometimes. But so describe your feelings right now. Yeah. And then tell me, do you attribute those feelings to MSG or do you not? Okay. Right now, I think my feeling has to do with grease and wheat. Which is okay. one of the great uh, one of the great Cat Stevens records? <laughs> was that Joni Mitchell? I can never remember. Grease and, and wheat, wheat. Are, are what this, uh, <laughs> that's what this whole country is founded upon. <laughs> the Quakers brought the wheat, and then the uh, the, the Pilgrims brought the grease. Oh, and was that the Schoolhouse Rock? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I uh, I had a lot of that, and then some coffee, and and so so like a conversation we've had before. I'm kind of on the bubble a little bit about the MSG thing. I don't, are you feel are your, are, your, are your teeth talking to you? My teeth, my my teeth chatter inside loose gums, and I can uh, I can uh, smell colors. I don't know. Some Sounds people like say they feel MSG strongly, suddenly, and in a way that that they can only describe as like an MSG headache. Or, like, I think it does things to, like, your sinuses sometimes. People have, like, an allergy kind of thing. So, I, I don't get that. I feel like I have, like, I still have food in my mouth sometimes. There's still taste there after there's no food there. What do you, what do you, is because I'm given to believe you, uh, you, ha- you have an MSG uh, sixth sense. Do you ever, uh, when, you were, when you were a younger guy and every once in a while you'd have to wear a tie, and uh, maybe you'd wear a tie, like, to a show or something, and you'd sweat in yeah. your, your shirt, and then, you, and then you get home at night and you try and take the tie off, but because the tie got wet, it kind of just, like, as you try and pull the tie off, it just sort of tightens on itself. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a prank where you're swimming and somebody uh, ties your pants in a knot. Uh, it- yeah, you're swimming in pants and somebody ties them in a knot. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. So, and then you try and get the tie off and you, you kind of get, get it, it down a little bit, but it's like the tie then becomes a noose. So then you try and pull it over your head and it gets, like, over your nose, but not, it can't go past your nose. So it's like pulling your nose up. <laughs> And then you like get it, oh, you know, and then then you then the tie, the wet tie, is basically tied around. It's t- it's like it's like it's like a, a, a binding your nose to the front of your face. Ooh, that sounds and like an enhanced, uh, enhanced interrogation kind of it, thing. It almost is. And then you're wandering around, and you're like, now, now am I going to have to cut this tie off? Like you don't like that is the feeling of MSG for me. Like it, wow. like there's a wet tie. That's around the front of my face. And wow. It's, and it's cutting off the blood to my scalp. So do you try to avoid it if you can? Well, what can you do? I live yeah. on the I live in the Pacific Rim. And, and people um, just people just flatly lie about it. They I mean, do. You know, yeah. you walk in and you're like, is there MSG in this food? And the guy is he's he's using a yardstick to smooth the MSG off the top of one of those four <laughs> cup uh 
you know, one of those four right, cup right, right. measuring cups. And he's like, no, MSG, what are you talking about? And then he just, and then it just pour, just pours that MSG into everything they're cooking because they, they don't believe that we, the, the, the MSG users do not believe that we MSG sufferers are, are, are have real problems. So you're saying, if I understand that most MSG users are on the face of it, uh, MSG deniers. I would say, mm-hmm. I would say you can't be an MSG user and an MSG sufferer. You have to be an MSG denier. Cause it's, it seems like to get back to the fairy tales, a little bit of princess in the pea. Like there's no mm-hmm. way since this doesn't actually do anything. There's no way anybody could ever tell that I just put four cups of this into the food. Yeah, right. Exactly. But it's like, it's like trying to talk to somebody who has chronic fatigue syndrome or chronic pain. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you're talking to them and they're like, I, ha- I, I suffer from this syndrome and it is impossible for you to get inside them and know what they're experiencing. Irritable and bowel so- syndrome. Mm, which I think you know a thing or two about. Uh, I, I thought I had that, but I don't. I have a different oh. thing that's hard to diagnose. But oh. with IBS, it's the worst. Hmm? Crankiness? <laughs> I'm going to split myself in two. Ooh. No, with the IBS is the worst because you say, yeah. oh, my gosh, I'm, I feel really crummy. Uh, I don't, this is not what I have. But people go, oh, you know, and you really you feel bad. You go, what's wrong? Oh, my God, I have, uh, I have diarrhea. But yesterday I had constipation, and there's no way to prove that I have it. So you sound like a crazy person. It's one of those right. unknown etiology, unknown anything things. Sure. Come to the bathroom with me for a week, mm-hmm. and you will feel a lot of sympathy for me. Uh, but nobody wants to do that. Well, that's I mean, a, that's a Showtime series I don't want to watch. <laughs> I had a lot of fatigue a couple of years ago. Not anything close to what I uh, what I imagine chronic fatigue syndrome se- seems like. But even a small amount of constant fatigue and depression is a tremendous burden. Now imagine having something that you would even that you would even bother to characterize as chronic fatigue syndrome. Right. Like what it sounds like a total nightmare. And yet I think the biggest night the biggest part of the nightmare for those people is that everywhere they go, people are like, What? You're just lazy. Have a mountain dew. Mm-hmm. And you're like, No, I seriously like chronic fatigue syndrome. That, why would I make that up? I mean, you know right. it's not it's not a very thing you'd want to uh, announce like with pride, but it's it also the thing is, I wonder how you do a differential diagnosis from from like a million other things because that's probably about the last thing a doctor wants to come up with because then that kind of means they're out of ideas. Yeah, that's but like right. depression, right? I mean, it seems like there'd have to be so many things you'd have to rule out to get to that. Yeah, well, it's like we've talked about before the the fact that there is no way to measure pain except with this like on a scale of one to five from a, how sad, much face, from a sad face to a like, happy face fuck you oh i've started doing that with my daughter though i'm like because she'll be like ah! and i say what is the matter and she's like i want a candy cane i'm like <laughs> on a scale of one to five how big of an issue is this for you emotionally and invariably she says oh one hmm. I'm like right exactly so when you take a minute to really step away from it and reflect for a minute, it's not that yeah. bad. How big of a deal is this? And then the other day, the other day she was uh, she was doing her new routine, which is like, I like everybody except Daddy. Mm. And I was like, mm-hmm. on a scale of one to five, how much do you not like Daddy? And she thought about it. She was like three, and that was the top score of anything she's ever. She's never gotten to a three on any scale. Are you sure she knows how to count? And I was like, wow, okay, a three. You, number good. three, don't like daddy. Mm, you're getting there. 
I can handle that. That's 60% not liking daddy. It's so nice, my, my daughter being able to write now. It's so nice to wake up in the morning and she'll, she'll come in and uh, she'll like leave an envelope. Like at night, she'll leave an envelope. So you can't open this mm-hmm. until the morning. Until uh, the morning. Yeah. It's really sweet. You know, I, for years I would get little messages, like a little heart drawing or something. I uh, opened one up the other day and it said uh, in, in, in broken English, you are going to die. Oh, <laughs> thanks, honey. Thanks, sweetie. Is that a three? Climb inside your stone. <laughs> yeah, feeling good about it. I'm at my office and uh, I'm looking out at all the people, and uh, the you know it's kind of cloudy, windy day, and I just feel very good right now. I don't have chronic fatigue syndrome. I have uh, I have belly full of sushi syndrome. Oh, that's a nice afternoon. It's much better. I was um, looking at, uh, there's a site that my daughter and I refer to simply as our favorite website, which is just a Tumblr that's nothing but pictures of cute animals people scraped off of Reddit. So mm. I looked at that, and I read most of a very long article about outrage on the internet, on Slate. That was really good. <laughs> uh-huh. is the, is the, uh, which one of those two articles uh, is the one where you found the picture of the rat eating the cookie? Hate oh, crime, sorry, mouse hate eat, crime, mouse John. The donut. <laughs> uh, yeah, Slate had a feature on uh, 2014 in Outrage, and they went mm-hmm. through each day of the year, and they have a, they have a whole giant calendar to show you what people were most out- outraged about on uh, in a given oh, day. I think I would actually find that pretty interesting. I'm very find it very calming. Yeah, right. I, you know, um, uh, one of my good friends on the uh, on the Twitter uh, made a. A thing called the Social Justice Kittens Calendar. Oh yeah, that's uh, Liar Town. That's Liar Town. That's right. And uh, Liar Town's funny. He's very funny. He sent me a copy of the Social Justice Kittens Calendar, so I've been looking at that every every day and just taking taking a little bit of peace. I think I think people. I linked to that on the Tumblr, and a lot of people got mad. And I, I'm I I think it's a shame that they don't didn't get why it's funny because it's yeah. funny for like five different reasons. You can, if you can't find something to laugh at when looking at that calendar, you're just there is an actual joke there. There, there is no one being harmed there. That is pictures of kittens saying exactly the kind of asinine things that people with internet <laughs> access say about how beleaguered they are. And except it's a cat saying it, and it's really fucking funny. It is funny. It's funny, but you know, not being able to get the joke is kind of the character of the people that are being mocked in that da, calendar. Da, dee, da, 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 da. This is my new theme song. My love is wandering in starflight. You know, there's words to that. No. Yeah. Really? I think it goes beyond... The rim of the starlight, something like that. My love that is wandering in star flight. It's it's pretty bad. Now you are a pretty 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 big Star Trek fan as, as a kid, right? Uh well, if you had said which are you a bigger fan of Star Trek or the Twilight Zone, I would have absolutely said the Twilight Zone. Mm. Um and this I'm talking about at a time when there were three channels on TV and then public television and late at night on one of the channels you sometimes would see Star Trek reruns or Twilight Zone reruns mm-hmm. or both That's interesting we we would good I feel like we very consistently got Star Trek solidly at 5 to 6 p.m. Oh and when I discovered right after Gilligan's Island <clears throat> and when I discovered Twilight Zone it was squarely at like 11 on the 11 UHF. p.m. Yeah. Well, and, and for whatever reason, in Seattle, we had Gilligan's Island, of course, and then we had 
Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> and then we funny. And then we had uh then we had the Munsters and then we had Leave It to Beaver. All right. And that was what went in the in the afternoons between like two and five. Uh Star Trek was I think uh, for Western Washington audiences considered more sophisticated and it was later on at night. Um, I remember ten thirty PM we had Crosswits. Remember Jeff Crosswits, the game show with crossword puzzles and uh, funny, funny celebrities? No, are you kidding me? People here were at 10.30 p.m. They were bu- busy sharpening their whittling tools. <laughs> <laughs> there was no time for crossword puzzle-based Twilight, game shows. Twilight what, did of you, the pan sharps. Did you grow up in Leeds? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't even make any sense to me. No, around 10 o'clock we started putting coal on our faces for the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so Gene Roddenberry, uh, at one point, I forget the reason why, but he at some point was called upon to, to say what the lyrics to the song were. I will not sing them. I will read them. It's four lines. Uh, okay. beyond, it's uh, beyond the rim of the starlight. My love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find in star-clustered reaches love, strange love, a star woman teaches. Wow. It kind of doesn't even match the, the song. No, and it feels a little bit like, you know, Gene Roddenberry is coming out of that 50s and 60s science fiction author Oh, like hard culture. science fiction. Yeah, like Harlan Ellison land, mm. where they're... Where Unreasonable? Ultimate, well, and ultimately, it's like they are picturing the cover of Heavy Metal Magazine over and over uh, again. Sure, 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 sure. You know, where Conan is standing there with a sword and the, and the, and the girl in the ripped bikini. Mm-hmm. So, I think... I mean, there's a lot of that in Star Trek, and I think that song is is like the poetry that maybe that maybe you would if you were on a different planet. Maybe it sounds better in a, in a it translated from its original language. <laughs> Strange love a star woman teaches. So you're mm-hmm. gonna go out. Past the star clusters and That's the what reaches, I'm and, and find then you're going to meet a strange love. woman, a woman who's going to teach you strange love. My love don't give me presents. Uh, I think that that's a big part of that early science fiction is that a lot of teenage boys were not getting Earth love, and they were looking for <laughs> strange love. That Terran love. They were getting some of that, that, you know, they wanted some of the strange, if you know what I'm saying. Mm. Except coming from, like, Mars, Mars women. You're talking about that green lady who, who glides? The green glider. Wasn't there a green glidey lady? I know there's a green lady, but there's a lady like you didn't see her walk. She just kind of floated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, see, I'm still super into that. Shh, me, I, you and me both. If I met a green lady that just glided. Oh, forget it. Or glid, as we say. If she just glid from place to place. You, I'd, I'd follow like, her to her star clustered reaches. Sold. Um, so I feel I, Star Trek. There was a kid up the street. Um, uh and he he was a little bit older than I was, and his last name was Klingon. Oh, that's rough, Klingon. But he was he was the oldest kid in the neighborhood, so he was actually really cool. Is that and Polish? He, not Klingon. It might be. It might sounds be like, like an Americanization of something from Europe. Maybe a German person, but who lived in Gdansk. Okay. Or I'm sure. sorry, uh, not Gdansk. Prague. That's, not Prague, but like uh, the, 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 the German town uh, that now we call Gdansk. It's uh, the, the singer from that band, um, from the Misfits. Oh, uh, Danzig? 
Danzig, right. Danzig is what we call Gdansk now. Is that right? Yeah, it used to be Danzig, and it was all German town, all Germans, but in what we think of now as Poland. Whoa. Big town, all Germans, and I think maybe they had names like Klingon okay. all right. up there. That's a tough name to grow up with. Except, so he had one of those, oh, this was the, I'm, 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 I'm having like a visceral reaction are you, are you to time this tripping? I'm time tripping because he had one of those giant models of the Starship Enterprise in his room. Oh God! Like one that you could take the top off and see inside the 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 bridge and everything. And um and his bedroom was kind of like oh so my neighborhood was all one story houses mm-hmm. except the Klingons. His name was Gary Klingon. That's horrible. It sounds like he's mispronouncing Klingon. Yeah. Uh, it does, and and and, and even at the time, it's pronounced not... Ramulin. <laughs> uh, he he, their house was the only house in the neighborhood, and this is crazy to say. There were you know there were two hundred houses in my neighborhood. His was the only one with a second story, and his bedroom was on the second floor. So that was already pretty amazing. You mm-hmm. could go up the stairs in this guy's house. It was just like wow, stairs in a house, and then. He had this Starship Enterprise in his room, and it was just... And I I mean, I didn't go in his room a lot. He was older than I was. This was like a lucky treat when you could get to go in to his room and see this spaceship. Pretty hot stuff. Uh, And then, you know, he grew up and got a car and drove away, and I never saw him again. Mm. But, uh, But Star Trek... I mean, I can't say that Star Trek was not very prominent on my on my landscape, particularly in the years before Star Wars. Mm, oh, yeah. Right, because we were mm-hmm. nine, nine, ten years old when Star Wars came out, right? That's, yeah, I was ten, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I would have been nine, I guess. And, you know, from the age of four, I was pretty vested in Star Trek. Even just not, not watching the show, but just like the toys and the... Yeah, and they the had concepts. the animated show on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you are you sighing because you're afraid of talking about Star Trek? No, 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 I'm not. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I I never got into it, and it's 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 one of those things that that you know there are some things that I accidentally came across one or two times and instantly fell in love with. And Star Trek really seemed stiff to me mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And you know, I some of my nerdier friends really liked it. Uh, Star Wars, everybody, everybody I knew liked Star Wars, and if they didn't like Star Wars, I didn't want to know them. That right. was that was huge for me. Star Wars was like, uh, you know, it, it took over my life for two years. Did you have a friend that had the trash compactor playset? I owned it. I got it. I got it for Christmas. Oh, you're kidding! It was pretty. It was pretty crappy. Well, yeah, it was crappy in the pantheon, to own. <clears throat> in the pantheon of Star Wars toys, it is not high up. It was might have been crappy to own, but it was the only Star Wars toy that I knew anybody but to have. It was the only one I ever had access to, oh. and I had very limited and restricted access to it uh, because it was over at my friend's house, and I could only play with it occasionally. And boy, did I think it was pretty impressive! It had that little garbage compactor with the nerf, yeah, with nerf the foam, in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the little monster. I mean, that was a very uh, I, that was a, a a scene that really made an impression. Oh, of course. Well, I think if I could pick one to still have today, <clears throat> well, the really cherry one even then was Han's blaster. That, that the, cool, the, the like life-size was, blaster that had it batteries. Heavy. In it was kind of yeah. heavy and yeah. like you know felt really solid. That was awesome. That I was had cool. an X-wing fighter with little. You push the R two D two and it makes a noise. 
Yeah, I think I might have. No, wait. I think if you press the R two D two, the wings go out. Doesn't seem very plausible. But that that was a great toy. It's just the the trash compactor didn't have great build quality. Yeah, but you, I you had know, all the figures. I had them all. You know what? My you did. I'm sorry that you don't now. I do. I still have them. I gave them to my daughter mostly. Oh, that's right. And she chewed off the lightsaber. No, no. It's like, oh, they came off in 1978. <laughs> <clears throat> I told you that story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. You did. I mailed off to the, the counter people, and one day in the mail, four Star Wars characters arrived. Incredible. Greatest day of my life. Almost as great as the day that I got those Kiss albums for free. Incredible. Uh, my I'm number one stories, John. I got a lot of my, stories. Uh, my number one playset was the Guns of Navarone playset. Did you inherit that from somebody? Nope. The Guns of Navarone playset was a mid seventies uh, playset, not based on the. I think it was based on the original Guns of Navarone film, but what what caused it to be put into production was the. Uh, Force 10 from Navarone. Oh, sure. Is Guns of Navarone based on something else? Is it based on... What am I thinking of? Oh, well, seven, uh, the, I'm thinking of the thing that's based on Seven Samurai. Never mind. Why do I Guns, think this is based on something else? Guns well, Guns of, of Navarone. Navarone was like a strange uh, retelling of like the battle for Crete or oh, something. Oh, right. They got, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Of course, of course. David Niven was in it, and uh, <laughs> you love David Niven. I do love. I love David Niven. Is that where he and, was the bomb guy? Uh, he's the British bomb guy, who's Corporal like, Miller. That's right. Who <laughs> never got he never got promoted, uh, but he was very aristocratic. But you know, he's an aristocratic guy playing, uh, playing like a you know just a man of the people, but very. Oh, so, and Anthony Quinn is Gregory in there. Gregory Peck, it looks like. Gregory Peck. What an, a cast. A, a, an amazing film. And um, and then, so then Force 10 from Navarone. Oh, that's the one with Robert Shaw. And Harrison Ford. And Barbara Bach. Look at that. That's right. That's right. And so that movie came out. It had nothing to do with the tower, with the, with the mountain. Force to, uh, uh, Guns of Navarone is about a mountain. Mm-hmm. Force 10 from Navarone is about a dam. And somehow, Force 10 from Navarone came out in the 70s, but, they, but, but Hasbro or whatever, some toy company made the Guns of Navarone playset. Because presumably every... Maybe that's what they had rights to. Every eight-year-old kid in America at the time <laughs> had watched that movie that was then 20 years old sure. in black and white with their dad at night on the late movie. You're not and, going anywhere. Get back in here. That's right. Come on. Come on. You got to watch this late movie. I mean, I, I saw The Longest Day 42 times because my dad never, <laughs> never turned off at the late movie. And it was always a World War II movie. And I mean, that's how I learned about the world. Mm. It's just like, here we go. Force 10 from Navarone. So this was a giant playset. It had two cannons. It had an elevator. It had uh, like multiple tiers and you could sit and play you could assault this this fortress this mountain fortress i mean i'm not saying you could but one could assault this mountain fortress with your little green army men every day for a thousand years and never get bored if i if i still had it i think i would still play with it the force force or not for i'm sorry Guns, Guns, of Navarone. Of, Guns of Navarone playset. That's right. Mm. Some of my favorite toys were ones that I had. The reason I asked if it was inherited was some of my favorite uh, 
like toys that actually held up and were fun for a long time were mm-hmm. toys that I got from other kids from like the sixties. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, like the Tarzan or like oh, I got a whole shoebox full of original Batman cards from 1966. Um, like a, a remote control car that was like 10 years old and still worked. I can't even imagine that with the shit my daughter gets today. I can't even imagine that stuff would even would still work after 10 years. Uh, the, the 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 toy that I remember inheriting from an older cousin was the James Bond DB5 Aston Martin. Oh, the little Corgi. The, the Corgi diecast one. Oh, those were amazing. My friends collected those. They were so cool. And they had all the like the license plate flipped. The passenger seat was an ejector seat. There was a a little uh. It was super metal, detailed. A metal shield that sprung up that was bulletproof in the back window. The the headlights were guns, like all these things, and they all worked. And these my my, my cousins bought that toy in nineteen sixty four and used it, and then I inherited it in seventy four, and it all still worked. Mm. Oh, I wish I still had that. I feel like I'm going to spend all night on eBay tonight looking at diecast Corgi cars from the 60s. Before you do that, you're going to want to go to YouTube and watch a really poorly shot video in some guy's basement showing off his famous World War II Battle of Navarone giant playset because it looks. <laughs> Does it have a beachhead? Is there like and like and like yeah. amphibious vehicles? Yep, yep, yep. yep. And where, a big mountain it? with ladders on it. What am I googling? Oh my Christ! I'll send it to you in the dingus. Uh, yeah, it's got ladders and it's got oh, this it's looks, got everything. It's like it's like army men, like to the tenth power. Like it's army men, but they're they're cool looking army men. They've got amphibious vehicles and a raft and a flag. It looks amazing. So there's a gray. There's a there are the gray army men who are the Nazis, and Ooh. then the green army men are the Americans, the Yanks, and the British mm-hmm. to a lesser extent. Mm. Let's be honest, to a lesser extent, the Allies, the Allies. That's right, the Americans and then the Allies. Who are a you know, motley group of, of sure. explosives experts. Would you say rag, ragtag? A ragtag group of Greeks and, you know, uh, kung fu people. <laughs> you know, people that you need to, <laughs> the Greeks, that you need to win the a war. The kung fu people. The kung fu people, the Greeks, the Brits. You got to have those people on your side to win a war, but it's the Americans front and center. Yep. Right in the middle. Gregory goddamn Peck. Yes. Yeah. Making the call, ultimately. Making the call. Somebody's got to make the call, and it's got to be... Sure. You don't want to yank there. You're going to want to yank for that. This guy also has something in his basement. Uh, it's, a, it's a thought technology that I still find kind of fascinating. It's what I can clearly identify as something I believe is called a video game chair. Uh-huh. Are you, you mean an Aeron Air, chair? Nope, nope, nope. Are you aware of video game chairs? <laughs> Apparently I'm not. It's a chair you buy to play video games in. Does it have a cup holder? No, this one has a pillow on it for extra comfort, it looks like. A pillow on the bottom or yeah, a pillow should, you should the You should a video game chair. You can get a chair to play video games in. It's, it's kind of like, like a shitty little footless rocking chair. And you can, <laughs> sit there, you can sit there on the floor. So that way you can sit on the floor without sitting on the floor. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Get a it's like game. a sex bean bag. <laughs> kind of, except for video games and you're alone. <laughs> I, see, I can't watch the I, YouTube video. There's a reason video. they don't sell them in pairs. <laughs> I can't watch that YouTube video because uh, because my operating system is so old that it's blocked plugins. Oh, bleep blue. To watch, uh, to watch uh, but oh, I'm looking at the video game chair and let me tell you, mm-hmm. I feel like how, okay, how many fraternity guys... Do you think die every year going downstairs <laughs> in a video game chair? Oh, 
Because if I had that, the first thing I would do back when I was drinking, when I was a young person, I would take that to the top of the biggest flight of stairs I could find. It seems like such a natural fit. John, I got to tell you, I have not, I just sent you another link. I think you should be able to see this one. I I had never actually spent that much time looking into video game chairs. Oh my God. But the first, first of all, the first thing he goes, wow, those are really high tech. And the second thing is, they look a lot like children's seats you put in a car yes they do they look exactly like that <laughs> except except there's a guy uh holding a controller in his hand yeah look at him go and he's got you know he's got glasses on he's got short hair mm-hmm. some of these actually look a little bit like captain kirk's chair why did somebody not design a video game chair that is an exact replica of the of captain kirk's chair? I don't, you know what that sounds like something that that is probably out there I I think that you if you bought that if you if you put that for sale it would be a, a big hit because people apparently are buying enough of these things that there are literally John this of is a little things. little bit almost like a love doll like it it would take so much self knowledge to spend a lot of money on one of these you know you'd really have to be okay with who you are to have mm-hmm. something like this if you scroll down a little bit there's some that are almost like a dentist chair with yeah. a big like solar flex arm overhead to have your screens on i mean i don't want to say that these are built just for jacking it no <laughs> um, but they do not look oh my gosh they might as well call them masturbation chairs they don't look comfortable in the lower back area like that they they're curved in a very like <laughs> Like a slothy sort of supine. That's not how you would sit. Well, I don't know if you if your car seat was anything like ours. I mean, I, I always felt I have a terrible relationship with car seats. I hate them. I hate yeah. putting them in. I hate taking them out. I hate trying to make them secure. And I somehow end up cutting my hand when I have to like do anything serious, like in a rental car, like do some really invasive stuff with it. I've but, got a I've got a bad scar on my hand from the freaking car seats. I got I I literally there was blood on our stairs from this deep cut I got from a kid's car seat, like a Graco car seat. But, um, but the thing that really distinguished quality, and I don't mean the, to be the Apple guy here, the most amazing thing about my kid's car seat is there was no way, it was almost like something they, an experiment at MIT. There was no way to put my kid's car seat down that it didn't fall over. You put, you put it down like no matter what, it's, and that's it would what not this stand up like. on its own. You're saying no, 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 and that's the same, same thing with these. Some of them looks like there's a place to put a. You can have a remote control. You certainly have a drink holder. My goodness, would you have one of? I mean, this is the thing. Like, uh, you remember? Do you remember a little TV show uh, called Friends? I do. And do you remember Joey and Chandler had the two chairs? Oh, uh, yeah, Joey and Chandler had, like, old, beat-up chairs that they loved, and it was their chairs. Oh, I'm not sure. Is that right? I think, I think you're remembering a di- I think you're remembering All in the Family. I don't know if I've ever seen a whole episode of Friends. So my understanding is that Joey and Chandler, at a certain point somewhere in the series, which ran for many Oh, was it, like, massage decades, chairs? Was that it? Something like they got... Joey, I think, probably did it. Maybe Chandler, which... Joey, Chandler was nicer, uh, and Ch- would Chandler do, was the could you be more something? Guy. Yeah, he would be, he, but he would do nice Joey things. Joey and Chandler, Joey. and they got Lazy Boys. It looks like they got some lazy. I think it's Lazy Boys they got that were like their TV watching chairs. Yeah, and it was a big moment in the show when these two guys. It was part of their male friendship, and they just said like, "We are. We got these chairs, and we're watching TV." And I think all across America, there was a collective sigh of relief from men between the ages of probably 15 and 50 
because these guys had validated the idea that getting a getting a chair for the sole purpose of sitting and watching TV was like not just a not just a valid life choice, but like it was it was a progressive. And that and was like you had, you had really arrived. We got these chairs. We have arrived. Like, what else do you need? We've got a TV and we've got these chairs for our, for watching TV. And the extension of that now, the, that of that thinking, now to this world of of uh, of a thousand uh, lampreys, as our good friend <laughs> Grant made sure I knew. Not Ramora. Oh, but I lampreys. feel bad. I Lamprey feel so eels. Bad. I did say eels. Yeah. But these these lampreys, and I think the and I think the, the 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 video game chair is you know it's just a form of like. And maybe maybe what it is is it's a way of saying, "Mom, I'm never leaving." Mm-hmm. Like this chair, I'm. This is my flag. I'm planting this flag. Or or conversely, like I just made, I just made four hundred million dollars in my initial public offering, and I own an eleven thousand square foot house. So I spent sixty dollars on a masturbation seat. Yeah, I own eleven square thousand square foot house in Palo Alto, and the only furnishing is two. Two jack-off chairs, <laughs> and my and my and my uh, eight-person play, PlayStation Twelve or whatever. My eight-person jacuzzi uh, tub is empty and full of dirty laundry. <laughs> that would be so sad. <laughs> it's like, and there's one Lamborghini poster, like on my bedroom wall, to give me something to look at as I go to sleep at night. Oh, man, you paint quite a picture. Well, you know, it's, I've been around. Yeah. I've traveled. I've traveled. I've seen a little bit of the world. Well, you know, even just just because you're not on a lot of boards of directors right now doesn't mean you haven't been asked. I'm sure. Well, <laughs> I haven't been asked enough. Yeah. I mean, I really do. I really do feel at some point, Merlin, that there is going to be someone, some listener of our program, who who has who has tremendous good fortune. Uh, uh, professional good fortune or political good fortune, and when he really he or she when they really search their feelings, they're going to say everything that I know. I learned from John and Merlin, mm. and when that happens, they're going to send a white Hummer limo to your house and to mine, and we're going to open the door, standing there in our bathrobes, and out prob- pours the bitcoins. You're probably going to be holding like a half-eaten hot dog. I'm going to be holding a sword. Maybe I won't even be wearing a bathrobe. And there's going to be a driver, and he's going to say, Mr. Man, or conversely, Mr. Roderick. We're going to go, yes. And then, yeah, that's right. It's going to, he's going to be like, here is a giant Filson bag full of Bitcoins. Mm-hmm. And yeah. an engraved invitation to be on the board of directors of, of the most famous con- company in the world. Uh, something you brought up numerous times that at first I wasn't so sure about and now I'm very interested in is I, I like that you're very forthcoming about saying to people, yeah, that's all well and good. We could do stuff in the future. I want to know how to make money off of something that you've already made money off of. I like the idea. You seem to be socializing an idea that you might be excellent as like a retroactive co-founder. Like retconned, you know, retroactive continuity. We're going to change some of the original papers. John will, in retrospect, have been... Mm-hmm. A co-founder, right? I, I, because I feel like what what ends up happening is that people found a thing based they fuck, on they fuck it up. They they found a thing based on like the the, the, the their their arrogance in the moment, and then they'd run it into the ground, 
And at a certain point, they have a reckoning. They have a, they have a come to Jesus moment. They're walking out in the forest. Snow is coming down. They're like, what is wrong with me, God? And then they think, <laughs> how did I get here? Oh, shit. And then, it, and then a ghost of you floats down. That's right. And then I'm like, I appear in the snow. Yep. And, and I'm basically Lemmy Winks. No, I'm not Lemmy Winks. I'm the Frog Prince. And I go, Lemmy Winks, Lemmy Winks. I don't know and, what that is. <laughs> I sing a little song, mm-hmm. and I tell you about the journey you're about to go on. And then you realize, shit, he is a co-founder. His thought technology. <laughs> I never realized it. His thought technology's got me here, and yet I, and yet turning my back on him, I have now been deposited into this hell, into this snowy hellscape. Mm-hmm. And I need to, I need to go walk back down the path, and, and again, as you say, retroactively acknowledge, I guess, the contribution, and then start receiving direct input. Yes. So tap so, into the direct input of the now. It's not it would not be that complicated to give you undiluted shares that basically make you the equivalent of a co-founder money-wise. I think you're asking for something more. It sounds to me like you're asking that they go in and actually literally change the founding records to make you have been that person for years before and I think maybe give you an apology. Sort of as a fixer. Sort of as a sort of as that character from Pulp Fiction. Oh, the wolf. The wolf. Who comes in, never actually touches anything, stands there in a tuxedo with his <laughs> Acura NXS. Pointing. <laughs> NSX. You get to drive says, fast, show up, order people around, and point. Yeah, and just say, like, you, clean up the brains, you, uh, throw your clothes in a, in a, in a bag, and, uh, and then John Cusack's brother or sister, that was Joan Cusack in that movie, wasn't it? Oh, it's um. Jo- oh, see, now you're gonna make me look this up. Yeah, Joan Cusack is gonna. It's uh, t- Julia Sweeney. Oh, Julia Sweeney is, is gonna right? take take this uh, take your take this car That's full of weird. dead. Julia Sweeney was in Pulp Fiction. That's so yeah. weird. Anyway, she's gonna take take this car full of dead bodies. She's gonna take it to her father's junkyard, and that's it's gonna disappear. And for this problem solving, I get paid an astronomical sum. Of money. It seems like a lot to John Travolta, but you needed the wolf. You needed somebody calm there. Mm-hmm. You, you sure need somebody did. who knows what's what can keep their head in a situation like that. And I feel like that's me in corporate America. And mm. I, and I don't think the old guard, the old guard isn't ever going to relinquish that that authority to somebody like me who comes from a from an outsider perspective. Mm-hmm, but I feel mm-hmm. like the young people, particularly the young people that listen to our program, the young people who wear spread collar shirts Ugh. and who have potentially video game chairs. <laughs> They're going to say at a certain point, I am over my head here. I'm surrounded by former Google vice presidents who have degrees in finance who are telling me what I should do, mm-hmm. but I don't trust any of them. These all, that, vent- all that yammering, you know? And uh, here's the thing, John. Everybody, here's the problem. I, here, okay, so here's my pitch for you. You are an early stage undisruptor. So here's what I mean by that. First of all, what is what, what has every company got? They got way too many people fucking disrupting too many things. They're just making a big mess. Right, and they don't right. figure out until it's until it's too late. I think you come in there, or why do I say early stage? Maybe you're an angel round undisruptor. You come in, you say, "Sit the fuck down. Let's mm-hmm. everybody, let's everybody just calm down. Mm-hmm. Let's stop disrupting things." Mm-hmm. Right? Wipe That's that right. smirk off your face. That's right. Get up out of that video game chair and go, go sit right. down like a gentleman at the table. That's right. And whatever you're drinking, throw it in the garbage. We're drinking coffee here. We're drinking straight coffee out of no soil. No soil. Out of coffee cups, not paper cups, coffee cups. 
And if one person says core competency while well, I'm in the room, I'm going to kick you in the balls. <laughs> now. I picture you coming in with a scroll. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's get down to brass tacks. And the thing is, there's going to be, I'm not saying that there are going to be 50 people who listen to this program who find themselves in this situation. We don't need 50, John. We need, we need like three. Three people over the course of the next 25 years yep. who wake up one day and say, holy shit, I'm over my head. I have Gen- more resources. Genuinely ready to be undisrupted. That's right. I have more resources than I know what to do with. I'm surrounded by sharks and by uh, by uh, people I do not like or trust. I'm surrounded by 22-year-old men I can't trust. And 50-year-old men I can't trust. Though all those people That's that good point. Well, you know when you open up a when you open up a catalog now there's always one gray bearded guy in there mm-hmm. who's wearing uh like uh skinny jeans and and a and a and a and two shirts over a sweater and all this weird He's shit. He's serious but, but relaxed. Serious but relaxed, and he is there to. He's there as the kind of like, oh, that's the guy. He runs my company or whatever. The young CEO. He's only fifty-five. You're surrounded by those guys, and you say, "This none of these people have what I need. I need a scimitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need some, I need somebody who's going to come in here and tell us what we can drink first. <laughs> first off, before we go another step, because all these guys, the, all these guys that went to Thunderbird Business College. <laughs> They roll in there and they see a they see a meeting table strewn with Starbucks cups and they don't say shit about it because they're not thinking about the the you know they're not thinking at the micro level mm-hmm. right like this this board of directors is not going to be able to make a single worthwhile decision if we are all sitting here drinking Starbucks out of paper cups that's not how business gets done. I'm 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 here to tell you. I'm Brooklyn afraid. Window syndrome. You start with some of the little <laughs> That's things. Right. That's right. I'm afraid to tell you. And you and, and you sit up in your chair, god damn it, and put your shoes back on. <laughs> Pull up your pants. <laughs> you know? I'm yeah, that's right. Put your sh- put your shoes back on. I'm the old Bill Cosby <laughs> like the before it came out. Did you have to come in and tell people <laughs> to put their shoes back on? Put your shoes on. Like <laughs> you're in an office. The first thing we're gonna do in this office is build some goddamn walls between people's desks. <laughs> <laughs> or to, and the ping pong table goes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh God, you're somebody's gotta be the bad guy. <clears throat> no. I think that's that's your core competency. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oh, right in the balls. <laughs> <laughs>